the free for all roundtable round two on round two we have uh, Pamela Palmiter, lawyer, professor, and activist. Tim Hudak is here, former leader of the Ontario Conservatives. He's at the Ontario Real Estate Association now. And Lindsay Broadhead is with the Toronto Region Board of Trade. Uh, good morning to you all. And one topic, obviously, top of mind for everybody, and that is the possibility of a strike on Monday. And Lindsay Broadhead, my own pulse this morning, and kind of confirmed, I think, I realize it's not a scientific poll, but we took a bunch of calls. And most people seem to feel that they may have had the workers back the last time around, but they're exasperated at the prospect of a strike on Monday. I agree completely, actually. I think there was a lot of sympathies for um, uh, the union in the last round because of the 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 power that the the province tried to put through. But this time, you know, it's clear parenting has become an extreme sport um, and it can't we can't play it every day, week in, week out, not knowing what's ahead. It's not fair to our kids. Um, and we're using them um, in this debate back and forth. Uh, I think the sentiment, again, I'm a, I'm a poll of, of one and, and a few conversations with my community and, and parents as well. Um, but it's too much pressure on families. Um, and I think people have given up the notion or at least are giving up the notion of choosing sides. Um, it's not about sides anymore. It's simply about getting our kids back in class uh, so that there's consistency and we can stop this back and forth. I mentioned that we took calls, including this one from Leanna who's 10. How old are you? 10. Okay, and if you could, uh, which you probably are right now, if you could talk to both sides in this ongoing negotiation and standoff, what kind of advice would you offer? I'd say just, like, don't keep using, like, kids because kids need to learn not to be in home learning online for the last three years. I have to think, Tim Hudak, that the education minister is probably going to track Leanna down and pose for a picture with her. <laughs> uh, yeah, it grabs your heart when you when you hear the voice of the kids that are impacted by this, and and there are hundreds of thousands of of Leanna feeling the same way. This morning, anticipation of Monday. Look, this this was a irresponsible, selfish, bad faith, reckless decision by QP. They should be ashamed of themselves. You shouldn't be able to strike while the kids are in school, particularly with what we've gone through. Johnny, they can keep talking while they negotiate right through Christmas. I don't see what the the pressure point is. What is the crisis? They have to pull the plug and kick our kids out of school one more time after they've gone through. Keep bargaining. Get to the end of this. Do it right to Christmas Eve. I don't care. Just get it done. Yeah, Pamela, I'll turn to you now. I am very sympathetic to the workers here, but at the same time, uh, you know, when I saw yesterday morning that they were planning, they were issuing strike notice again, I thought, how did we get to this point so quickly? Well, bargaining has to have two sides coming to the table in good faith. And the Ford government hasn't. He's actually been very strategic about, you know, creating this whole scenario, using the notwithstanding clause, trying to look like Cupy is the bad guy, withdrawing the notwithstanding clause, and then still not bargaining in good faith. So very little has changed since the notwithstanding clause. And I think what they're trying to do is weaponize that now against Cupy. Keep in mind, they're still impoverished. They're still way below what most parents make and uh, many of the parent organizations are still very much in support of QP. It's not QP that would keep kids out of school. It's Ford and I think we need to remember that.
The province introducing, or the Ford administration introducing its new laws governing municipalities and regional governments uh, yesterday. And Lindsay, since you're the Toronto Region Board of Trade, maybe I'll start with you on this one. Um, I was not aware that they wanted to reformat the regional governments, but they want the power to appoint the chairs. Now, at the moment, they're saying, we're going to let the chairs who are there stay. But this, to me, is more meddling than I want in my regional and municipal governments. Uh, you know, I, I think the province is kind of getting beyond its mean. Yeah, and I'm going to have to go deeper into what is actually being proposed. There's a lot of um, white space to negotiate and, and figure out the nuances of this particular thing. Um, but two things jump out at me. First is the need for regionalism um, as a concept. Uh, I think what we've seen, uh, particularly over the last couple of years when budgets are extremely tight, is any municipal municipality's ability uh, to move forward on significant files is actually limited. So it's not just housing, right? It's transit, it's zoning use. So where do we put certain businesses or even parks, right? Right now, uh, if you can believe it, all of these decisions are made by municip municipalities individually. Um, so we don't think of ourselves living only in a municipality. We work in one and then we travel and, and live in another perhaps. Um, but there, there does need to be a mechanism that all these municipalities can come together to make unified decisions on things. So that concept I think is good and makes sense as it relates to the appointment uh, of the people versus them being democratically elected. That's the piece that I'd like to see more details on moving forward so that there are reassurances that the work that's getting done um, isn't overriding uh, democratically voted in mayors, councillors, etc. Uh, Pamela, I'll turn to you. I fought for years on this microphone and in this chair to overturn provincial jurisdiction in municipal zoning rules, and eventually we succeeded. But now it just seems like the province wants to grab power all over again. Yeah, you, you always have to be careful and really read between the lines and do the research to see what's really happening here. And anytime a government gives themselves more power, um, you always have to be suspect, especially in the Ford scenario, unfortunately. Um, this this could very much uh, backfire on everyone. And, and there may be some mayors uh, who are supporting this, but there's also behind the scenes quite a few municipalities saying, yeah, we're, we're quite worried about this, especially where they appoint themselves and they can have the, the decision-making power over these uh, regional chairs. Okay, Tim, we're always being told this is all about housing. So is all of this stuff necessary? Oh yeah, <laughs> no, no, no doubt about it. Look, um, every I mean, this every time you have extra layers of government with the local and then the regional, they add on months, if not years, of delay to approve projects, fees left, right, and center. You know, redoing studies, being balanced between the two, overruling each other. It is a friggin' mess out there. No wonder we underbuilt homes for about two decades now. If we actually want to get homes built that average hardworking Canadians can't afford, to help young millennials who are playing by the rules everything right get a place of their own to help new canadians moving here 
you have to eliminate this duplication red tape and run around. And look, the regional municipalities were created in the early 1970s largely. John, they're showing their age more than I am, and that says something. It is time to look at reform here. I, for one, believe Mississauga should be a standalone city, one layer of government. Yep. Brampton the same way. And this is an opportunity to say which one should stand alone and working in the duplication. Good for them in doing this. Uh, let's turn to other matters, and that would include Elon Musk laying down the law in an email to his Twitter employees. He says he expects uh, dedication at the office. He wants everybody in the office physically. If they're not prepared to adhere to sort of the new hardcore approach at Twitter, then they have to make up their minds before the end of the week. And if they quit, they'll get three months severance. Um, let me start with Lindsey Broadhead. Um, is, you know, is he just bringing some degree of rigor to the office place here or is he a jerk? <laughs> Uh, well, rigor, I guess, is a word, John. I mean, I laughed out loud um, when I when I heard that. Um, you know, there's no there's no gray. Uh, it's a very black and white statement. Culture starts at the top. Um, all studies point to the fact that people aren't machines, uh, especially uh, you know folks under uh, under that Gen X boundary that some of us straddle. Um, they don't want to work in places that don't have a greater purpose. Um, and he's you know he's he's trying to attract highly talented, highly skilled. Uh, workers, they have choices, um, and so the proof will be in the pudding. Um, but it's it's not a culture that any study uh, that's been done so far, uh, folks would gravitate towards at all. So the proof will be in the pudding for sure. But mm -hmm. rigor is definitely a word. Uh, Tim Hudak, this reminds me of that famous poster that uh, the beatings will continue until morale improves. <laughs> yeah, that's right. A bit Python-esque. Eh? Um, well, look, I'll, I'll see what this means. I'm a, I'm a Twitter user and, and fan, so I'll see what this means for customer service and the user experience after all. Otherwise, it, it doesn't confront me, to use another expression from George Thorogood. It is an interesting thing to watch, right? Because Twitter went the opposite direction to previous management, where they basically guaranteed every employee a job with never having come to the office. So you got a big 180 happening here. Musk has done all right in life. He's done all right with Tesla and his other endeavors. Let's see if he's actually on to something. We're a hybrid where I work, but you'll be watching closely to see what this model actually does for productivity and can, can, sorry, retaining your workforce, or do you lose them? And Pam, I tend to agree with Lindsay Broadhead that especially in a youth-oriented workplace, uh, a lot of them are probably just going to say, screw this, I'm out of here. Well, for those that have the ability to, most definitely. And the irony in Elon Musk's so-called laying down the law is nothing that he has done to date or is trying to do now actually complies with employment law or human rights law or labor laws or any of those other things. So he can do it. And the only people that will be forced to have to deal with it are people who are vulnerable. They can't leave their job. They don't have any other options. And and that's going to get them in trouble with a whole bunch of people. I don't think any of it's enforceable. Uh, meanwhile, from the world of pop culture, Mariah Carey has been told she cannot trademark Queen of Christmas. And she was planning on doing that and coming out with a whole line of products. Uh, Tim Hudak, has your heart sunk? Is there a little less joy in Christmasville that we do not have a Queen of Christmas? <laughs> I might have to skip the whole thing in protest this year, John Moore. If I, if I can't proclaim to my family, you know, after Santa's arrived, hopefully go to Mass. And then the next big thing, the Queen of Christmas plays for entertainment, is just not worth doing. Okay, we're going to call.
call it there. Thank you all. Ending on a somewhat uh, lyrical but also strange note. My thanks to Pamela Palmater, Tim Hudak, and Lindsay Broadhead. Thanks to you for listening. Nick Mayorano and Joe Cristiano do the work mostly behind the scenes. You hear from them once in a while. Have a good one. Tomorrow will be a sweet, sweet Friday. Catch the roundtable, round one at 745, round two at 845. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.